Well, I'm certainly grateful for this magnificent washout, a turnout, and uh, now I'd like to say a few words. Hello? I must be going. I cannot stay. I came to say I must be going. I'm glad I came, but just the same, I must be going. La la. For my sake, no, you must stay. If you should go away, you spoil this party. I am through. I'll stay a week or two. I'll stay the summer through. But I am telling you, I must be. Welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 330. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. How you doing? Welcome, welcome for the last time. For a while. If you heard the show last time, 329, and you should have because you are mandatorily, mandatorily required to listen to these shows in sequential order, and if you do not... You have to go back to episode one and start all over again. I'm sorry, I don't make the rules. But you'll have time, because I announced in the last episode that Atari Bytes is not going away, but it is taking a little break. Our first break since January 2016, when this show started. There's another project that I'm working on unrelated to this show, and I just wasn't going to be able to do it unless something else gave way. And my wife was not going to let me quit my day job. So I had to make the difficult choice to... Take a little break from Atari Bytes. So the plan is we're going to come back Christmas 2023 with Mean Santa. Seems appropriate. I am like Santa, giving you the gift of this podcast. And now I'm taking it away. I'm a mean Santa. So I will be returning with that game in December. I didn't really think of that when I picked Mean Santa. I just now, as I'm recording, thought of that. So, uh, no, I, I don't consider myself a beneficent figure beloved by people around the world, though I am. Anyway, um, so taking a little break. During this break time, uh, I do have uh, a number of requests. Uh, one is to keep this show, uh, keep your keep your subscription, wherever you get your podcast, keep your subscription because one, I'm going to come back and two, I may, between now and Christmas, uh, now being April, uh, I may throw out an, the occasional episode as things come up that I want to do. Or I'm considering maybe, you know, the back catalog, all 330 episodes are there if you want to go listen to them. And by golly, you should, because, man, if you think I suck as a podcaster now, go listen to the first 10 episodes or so. Barf, man. But if you feel like torturing yourself, go do it. So what I may do is uh, not necessarily re-release the episodes as they are, although maybe I'll do that too. I don't know. I I may re-release some of them with, uh, you know, new introductions or something. Not redoing them, necessarily, just 
throwing in something new. So keep your feet because there may be some of that stuff happening between now and Christmas. The other request uh, I have is keep following me on social media because I'm still there. And uh, just don't forget me. Also, this little break period may be a good thing. One, trying to recharge everybody's excitement about Atari Bytes. And two, it's a good time maybe to, to kind of, you know, shake things up a little bit. Maybe uh, maybe come up with some new some new things. For example, any of you creative types, if you would like to design me a new logo, I would be open to the possibility for absolutely no money whatsoever. I'm not going to pay you, but I would certainly happily give you credit if you come up with a new logo that I want to use for the show. You'll recall that ever since the show started, the logo has been the, uh, the name of the show with a CX-40 joystick and some of those uh, plastic chatter teeth biting through the cord. Uh, it's great. I like it. But, you know, seven years. Maybe it's time for something new. If you guys uh, want to come up with some new music for me, maybe a new theme song for the opening or the ending of the show or some incidental music or, or whatever, this is a good time. We've all got time during this uh, hiatus to uh, come up with some of that kind of stuff so that when we come back, it's, uh, it's a recharged show, it's a, a new show, and we can all kind of get excited. So that's my little assignment for you guys. You know, give it some thought. In the meantime, we've still got an episode to do today, by golly. This is, of course, post-COVID edition episode number 18. Uh, 18 episodes since I died of COVID last summer. Still here. I have not, knock on wood, gotten COVID since the first time. And it was not really that bad for me. Uh, so I'm thankful for that, and I haven't gotten it again. So go get your vaccinations. All right, that's about all the news I got. So let's get on to this week's game for the last time for a while. This week's game is Tax Avoiders from 1983 for the 2600. Interestingly, this game was programmed by an IRS employee, Daryl Wagner, and an investment advisor, Daryl Clark Holm. Because, of course, when you want to program a computer game, you get an IRS employee and an investment advisor to do it. It's a little bit like playing doctor with a surgeon. Wait, no, it's not. Never mind. If you've ever played doctor with a surgeon, then, you know, I, I don't want to know. So, I figured since uh, as this episode is going out, it's mid-April, and it's, you know, coming down to the end of tax season. You guys are probably all pretty still, you know, pretty excited about paying taxes, because everybody is. So, uh, I figured we'd play a tax-centric game. And so, I picked one. For as crappy a game as it is, oops, sorry, spoiler, um, it has a lengthy manual. The goal of the game, much like the goal in life, is to become a millionaire, after taxes, in one year. Haven't we all done that already? Boring. As in real life, there are obstructions to your progress, bureaucratic levels to go through, and obstacles to overcome, such as governmental red tape, bad investments that lose money, taxes, and IRS audits. You're playing as John Q., the overtaxed player, being pursued by Eggy, an IRS agent, Waggy, the CPA, and Toodles, the investment advisor. To make things more confusing, Toodles, Waggy, and Eggy are identities, uh, three different identities for the same character. One guy just kind of turns into, at random, these three different characters. Enemies, I guess, although not really. I suppose only the IRS agent is an enemy. He's the only one that takes your money. Uh, the other ones ostensibly make money for you, but we'll get there in a second. Their movements are not controlled by the player. He is constantly pursuing John Q. John Q is controlled by the joystick and moves in all directions, left, right, up, and down, as if you didn't know what the directions were. The fire button causes him to jump over or through adversaries. Dollar signs represent money, of course, and that's what you want to collect. Governmental red tape is 
portrayed as sort of this coily little red thing that causes you to lose $2,000 every time you touch it. And your portfolio is basically a, a little briefcase where you have to put your investments after you collect them to shelter income and obtain any capital gain. So I'm saying capital gain in my head. It sounds weird. Does it sound weird to you? Capital gain. I don't know. Anyway, let's move on. So the year, according to the manual I'm reading, is divided into 635 days, 12 months and four seasons. I'm thinking there's a typo. Everyone knows there are five seasons. Anyway, during each season, there are two screens, an income screen and an investment shelter screen. During the income screen, you must accumulate as much income as possible while avoiding the costly governmental red tape. To reach the various bureaucratic levels, you must catch the elevator in the center of the screen that you can't ever see coming, by the way. It's very random. And this takes you to the various levels, slowly like normal governmental action. Halfway through each season, you are switched to the second screen, which allows you to obtain various tax-sheltered investments. You're being pursued by a character who is con consistently moving into and out of the private enterprise system and governmental employment. I'm falling asleep as I'm reading this. This is symbolized by color changes, black, pink, and green. In the black mode, he's Eggy, an IRS revenue agent, trying to catch you for an audit. And if you get caught, you always lose. You are taxed at the maximum rate of 50% and sent back to work in the income screen. There are no appeals to tax court. In the pink mode, he is Waggy, a CIA agent who is soliciting your business. If he catches you, sorry, CPA agent, not CIA, although that'd be way more interesting. If you go to him, he charges a thousand bucks, but you get, you do actually make money. He'll always provide a more valuable tax shelter investment than the one previously available. In green mode, he is Toodles, a registered investment advisor who can help you maximize your income by providing the best, shelter, best tax sheltered investment available. When green, it is to your benefit to catch him, depending on the amount of time left before your taxes are due. At the end of the season, it may or may not be beneficial to wait for the IRS agent to become the investment advisor. At the end of tax season, at the end of the season, your taxes are collected through automatic quarterly withholding. The, autom uh, the amount of tax collected depends on which tax-sheltered investment you have in your portfolio. You are then sent back to work, stream one, to earn more income. The various investments are oil derricks, the sun, solar energy, Railroad containers and research and development, represented by a glass flask. Some of these provide capital gains, some don't. There's a 50-50 chance that any investment will lose, or will make or lose money. Good investments earn a thousand a day. In addition, to any capital gain. Bad investments lose a thousand dollars a day, but still can provide capital gain. This is separate from and does not affect their ability to shelter income at the end of the season. And that is how you play tax avoiders from the American Video Game Company. 1983 for the 2600, assuming you would ever want to do that. A person I once knew while complaining about someone she was arguing with threw up her hands and said, he must think I live in a carnival-like atmosphere of glee. Upset as this person was, though, I always thought this sounded like kind of a cool state to live in. Well, I'm not there yet, but I've got a website, carnivalofgleecreations.com, and there's stuff on there, everything you can want, like the podcast Atari Bytes, featuring old games and original short stories that are pretty unrelated. And my other podcast, it's a podcast, Charlie Brown, covering anything and everything in and around the iconic Peanuts comic strip. If the printed word is more your thing, there are books on there too, like the novel in the Saint Nick of Time and short story collections, Misery Banana, 
Hell's Cereal, and Second Duck on the right. Want to know what else I'm up to? That's all there too. CarnivalofGleeCreations.com. Everything you need. Glee not included. Okay, let's get this out of the way right now. This game is not ripped from the plot of Everything Everywhere All at Once, the uh, Oscar-winning movie. But by God, it should be, because that would be way more interesting. In the movie, you've got Michelle Yeoh being audited and pursued at various times by an angry IRS agent with hot dog fingers. I would much rather play that game than the one that's presented here. But sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. So the game was conceived, as I mentioned, by Daryl Wagner at Dunhill Electronics. Build on the packaging is licensed tax consultant and former IRS revenue agent. The game was developed by Todd Clark Holm, an independent investment advisor registered with the SEC, according to the packaging. Game designed by John Simmons and published by American Video Game. 8-Bit Central tells a little story about how, as a kid, they reluctantly, being so starved for a new 2600 game, reluctantly took this one off the shelf and paid for it. What kid wants a game about finance, especially when the graphics and gameplay are beyond lame? On the bright side, the game is collectible, and I have a mint copy fresh from the store shelf and whisked into the safety of my game dungeon. While it's easy to make fun of such a game, there's still a part of me that knows the guy, this guy, the developer, brought the concept, brought a game from concept to finish, which is more than I'm likely to achieve. Or me, for that matter. The game purports to have a political bureaucratic theme, but displays a visually abysmal arena chock full of poor execution. Its analogy to finance is blurred by its magic manic oddity, comes off as very generic and annoying. Honest Gamers says that Dunhill did a great job of adapting a piece of everyday life into an arcade game, but left too much of the game to chance. If there was a way to know which investments were wiser at various points in time, include more brain power to the equation than simply guess, simple guess and play, then the game would have been brilliant. All it took to harm the game's greatness was one small misstep. The work screen is the boring part of the game, but it's probably most true to life. It's difficult to find entertainment in a screen that consists of four basic floors with an elevator in the middle. There's no transition to when the work screen ends. Tax evasion in everyday life is not very exciting. It mostly consists of people not filling out paperwork, not answering phone calls, not responding to knocks on the door, and keeping a low profile. It's not something you can easily turn into an enthralling game. Dodging the IRS may not play out with the same level of tension as avoiding ghosts and Pac-Man, but it can be tense. Here's where I learned to love the game's slightly stiff controls. The game's not a major blast to play and is not addictive, but it is original and challenging with a bit of tension tossed in. Okay, I think you might be stretching a little bit there, Honest Gamers, but alright. Old School Gamer Magazine wonders, or notes, no matter how many times I replay the conversation that must have gone on to create this game, I can't figure out how tax avoiders got the green light. The more I think about it, the more bizarre the concept becomes. So, the game's not great, is kind of what everybody is saying, but what about the, uh, what about the inspiration for the game? Sometimes it's just poor execution, right? Everybody loves the movie E.T., but not so much the game. So maybe the problem is taxes. Are taxes bad? Why do we pay taxes? Well, the History Channel says, Since 1950, individual income taxes have been the primary source of revenue for the U.S. federal government, used to fund social programs like Social Security and Medicare, and income taxes amount to roughly 80% of all federal revenue. Abraham Lincoln, during the Civil War, was the first one to sign into law the nation's first ever tax on personal income to help pay for the Union war effort. It was repealed a decade later, but Congress tried again in 1894 enacting a flat rate federal income tax. But then the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that tax unconstitutional because it didn't take into account the population of each state. 
1909, Congress passed the 16th Amendment, which allowed the federal government to tax individual personal income regardless of state population. Took care of that, I guess. The required number of states ratified the amendment in 1913, and Americans have been required to pay federal t- income tax ever since. Any American whose gross income is over 10000 or 25000 for married couples filing jointly, or who earned more than 400 bucks from self-employment, must file a federal income tax return. There are other circumstances, too, which might be why you'd have to file taxes. In 1913, Congress chose March 1st as the official due date for paying taxes, but a few years later they moved it to March 15th, for no apparent reason. In 1955, another tax overhaul pushed back the deadline an entire month to April 15, giving the government more time to hold on to tax dollars before paying any refunds it might owe. The tax system is designed to be progressive, meaning the more taxable income you make, the higher your tax rate. Taxpayers can often reduce the amount of tax by using various tax credits, deductions, and exclusions, also called loopholes. In 2016, taxpayers in the top tax bracket, income level, paid a tax rate of 39.6%. They include some 860,000 or half a percent of the total number of U.S. households. Nearly 80% of U.S. households were were in the 15% bracket or lower, including Americans with no taxable income and those who don't file tax returns. According to the WhiteHouse.gov, the 400 wealthiest families in America paid an average federal uh, federal individual income tax rate of 8.2% on $1.8 trillion of income over the period 2010 to 2018. And then there are a bunch of uh, qualifiers for that. Suffice to say, I am not part of one of the wealthiest families in America, so we'll just leave that there. All right. Well, after the break, stick around. In for a penny, in for a pound, right? The government will take half of that, please. Sophie. Sophie, by the way, is my guest camera person today. You, uh, you're a working person, right? Sure. Do you like taxes? No. What's your, what's your least favorite thing about taxes? I hate FICA. FICA. Oh, man. Does she ever hate FICA? When Sophie met FICA after she got paid the first time, oh, man, it was not pretty. <laughs> well, you're in luck, because this game, this episode, is all about taxes. You are some guy, I can't remember his name, Joe, John Q. Public or something. George. Well, in the manual, he's John Q. somebody. And you are trying to collect as as much money as possible, and then you go to the next screen and you invest your money in... (laughs) Sophie's looking at me. If you're not watching the video, even if you're watching the video, you can't see her right now. But uh, she is skeptical of the premise of this game. You collect as much money as possible, you avoid the red tape, you go to the next screen, you avoid the IRS agent who wants to audit you, you kind of avoid the uh, accountant who wants to uh, help you invest, but is going to charge you money for it, and you really like the green guy who is some other investment person, because he's going to put you in the best investments possible. Sounds pretty exciting, huh? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Let's just see how exciting this thing is. Here we go. Oh, wait. All right, this is me collecting money. I don't like that, wait, uh, hit some red tape. That's not good. You can't, you can't avoid it and you can't go up until the elevator shows up. 
and you don't know when that's going to be. Well, see, there it was, and I didn't know it was coming. So, I'm just going to stay in here and wait. Now, at some point here, I will jump to the next screen. Not literally, it'll just happen. Alright, I got $12,000. Ooh. Okay, pink guy. Pink is okay. Wait, what just happened? He got you. I guess, but he's one of the gooder -er guys. I'm very confused. Every time you hit red tape, you lose 2,000 bucks. Lots of red tape, but I'm up to 26,000 now. I tell you what, this is a pretty exciting game. Alright, I got my investment. The little. Ooh, that did not go well for me. I lost lots of money. Don't invest in whatever that yellow sprite thing was. He was pink. Was it pink? Yeah. The guy was pink. The little starburst thing down at the bottom of the screen. Oh. Maybe we'll see it again before I lose all my money. I am on the edge of my seat with this game. I think some tax people came up with this game and I'm really not surprised. No offense if there are any tax people listening, but you're not the most exciting crowd. Very much offense to all the tax people listening. What, you're not a tax person? No tax people take all my money. Right. We want that guy chasing me to be green. We like green, apparently. Ooh, yes. Alright. Wait. He gave me... I was up to 27,000 and then suddenly I had 17,000. Because he turned a different color. Did he turn he black again? Yeah. Well, he that's tricked why. you. Basically, the game goes over until you run out of money. Well, this could be a while. But there's not a whole lot to see. Do you have any thoughts about this game, Sobe? Um, it kind of looks like it's not very fun. <laughs> kind of? Yeah. I'm playing it because this episode's coming out in the middle of April and it's tax season. I thought people would enjoy it. The, ch the IRS agent chasing you and stuff makes me uh, think of everywhere, everything everywhere all at once. Did you watch that movie with me? No. No. But, uh, people who watched the movie would understand that. I would have more fun right now watching that movie than playing this game. Hmm. How long have we been doing this? Five and a half minutes. You know what? Five and a half minutes, I think, is enough time to give you the idea of what's going on in this game. Sophie, do you want to play? No. I don't either. But I did. Um, let's find out if anybody else wants to play. Back to you in the studio. Hey Atari fans, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Join Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review cartridge-based games for the Atari's last answer, the 8-bit gaming system, as well as delve deep into their history. Kieran will also introduce everyone to the UK's budget games. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com.
here's the thing about tax avoiders. I don't like this game. I'm okay with the concept of a video game premised on the idea of paying taxes. Sure, why not? There have been weirder concepts for Atari games. That doesn't bother me. What I would like, though, is for it to be a bit more tongue-in-cheek. You know, make the uh, IRS a, a weird little monster dude. Or have the uh, taxes be little balls of flame that you have to jump over, like in Donkey Kong or something. I don't know. Make it a little more whimsical. Instead of going for this serious, you have to collect this money and, and jump over this red tape. Which, by the way, you can't do. Because on that screen, you go down these little alleyways running into things dollar signs or red tape kind of like uh picking up things in turmoil uh, there's nowhere to jump you can go left and right you can't go up and down once you're in these little alleyways but you know set it up so that you can do that you can jump over stuff you can pick up stuff maybe uh you have a little um inventory where you pick up a certain number of dollars and a certain number of investments and the goal is to you know make a million dollars great but don't throw all this other garbage in there too. The investment page is garbage because like the one reviewer said, you can't tell which investment is good and which is bad. You're supposedly you're climbing up and down up and down ladders and stuff to avoid the weirdly shape-shifting pursuer, which is sometimes good and sometimes bad. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like any of it. I'm not a rabid anti-tax guy necessarily. I don't like paying them. I'm getting ready to write a big check as we speak, but I don't like this game. If you guys feel differently about this game or about taxes, feel free to let me know. I'm not doing a show again until December, but if you want to let me know anyway, go for it. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time. With Bill. This week's story is titled Tape Worm Holds the World Together. A confluence of random dust and circumstance formed the earth. Humans evolved by luck and perseverance. Ideas breathed life into society. Love and hard work allowed society to move forward. But rules, they are what make society function. Nobody likes them, but everybody craves them. We're never more alive than when we're jumping through hoops. The blood flows and the heart races. We feel purposeful. We know what's expected of us. And that feels good. Guidelines and requirements keep the world from devolving into chaos. Except when they don't. Dr. Terry Andreessen sat at the nurse's station, surrounded by medical charts, symptom descriptions, and an ominous-looking stool sample that really should be put somewhere else. Gah! The doctor groaned. I can't get anything done. She irritably tossed aside all the pens in her pocket. No great loss. Everything is on tablets now. Head nurse Malik, a tall man with a healthy unease about everything, gingerly pushed aside the sample as he leaned forward down onto the counter. He wasn't really even sure who had ordered that stool sample. Had anyone ordered it? Was it recreational poop? Anyway, what's wrong, doctor? Malik asked. What's right, you mean? Andreessen said. I've got one patient who needs a transplant but doesn't have the right insurance. Another one can't even afford the copay for a prescription. Instead of taking a shift in the overrun ER... I'm here writing reports because, sure, that's a good use of my medical training. Not exactly why we got into medicine, is it? Malik said. I just don't get it, Andreessen said. With a ding, the fifth floor elevator door slid open. An arm shot out holding a flaming torch, followed by the large, stubbled head of Dent Mitchell, intrepid adventurer. He stepped out of the elevator and scanned the cardiac floor of Mount Meticulous General Hospital. 
Adjusting the wide-brimmed hat on his head, he stepped swiftly to the nurse's station. Uh, can we help you? Dr. Andreessen asked. Malik's eyes never left the flaming torch. You're going to have to put that thing out, he said. Dent Mitchell glanced at the torch. The key to adventuring, friends, is knowing where you're going. This is a hospital, sir, Dr. Andreessen said. Malik, still watching the torch. Why aren't the smoke alarms going off? Dent Mitchell ignored both of them, possibly talking to himself. I know what the problem is. With the ailing patient. With the ailing patients, that is. The poor souls who can't find relief. This hospital is being overrun. Andreessen stiffened. Terrorists? Who was this guy? Mitchell wasn't wearing a holster or carrying a bag that would hold a gun. Just the torch, a bullwhip, and a snorkel. Worse, Mitchell said, scanning the floor, occasionally looking up, squinting into the light fixtures. Andreessen glanced over to Malik, nodding a bit. Seriously, why aren't the smoke alarms going off? Malik asked. Not that, Andreessen muttered, gesturing with his head toward Dent Mitchell. Malik got it. He wondered how he could get the attention of a security guard. Seriously, hadn't anyone noticed a man with a flaming torch getting on the elevator? Andreessen thought he should keep this weirdo distracted until security could come. What do you mean, worse? Andreessen said. Dent Mitchell stepped behind the, the nurse's station counter. He grinned. Let's find out together. He took a deep breath and yanked the cover off the server on the desk behind Andreessen. Where wiring might have been, dozens of coiled crimson worms came spilling out. Eep! Malik squeaked. What the hell? Andreessen said. I knew tech support was worthless. How did they get in there? They live there, Dent Mitchell said, unfazed. You know how you have to jump through a bunch of hoops to get stuff approved? Cut endless red tape to get projects completed? Talk to this person, that person, sign here, initial that. Cut the red tape, so to speak. Sure, Andreessen said, rolling her chair away from the coiled, slimy mass. Malik climbed up on the counter. Dent Mitchell gazed at Dr. Andreessen. This is where that red tape comes from. Red tape worms. What? That's ridiculous, Andreessen said. And gross, Malik added. Shoo, Dent Mitchell said to the mass of worms. Single file. As instructed, the worms formed a long, wriggly line and slithered away. I think you'll find your patients get much better, more efficient care now, Dent Mitchell said. Uh, Andreessen said. A large, bearded man approached the nurse's station. Look, he said, I don't know if I'm on the right floor, but you look like a doctor and I really need a prescription. My wee-wee won't stop sneezing. It took a minute to tear herself from the red tapeworms to shift gears to another oddity. Um... What? It sneezes, the man said. Down there. You know, achoo, achoo. Super annoying. I need a prescription or something. Well, it's not, Andreessen started to say. Sneezing, did you say? A sneeze erupted from the man's crotch. The man gestured. See? Whoa, Malik said. Well, I, I don't know if we can medicate that. A specialist just became available, Malik said. He slid a tablet across the counter to the doctor. Just need your okay for the referral. Reception says insurance went through just fine. You're welcome, Dent Mitchell said. Now, if you'll excuse me. He cartwheeled over the nurse's station, scaled the fluorescent lighting like playground monkey bars, and crashed through a window into the nighttime fifth floor air. Well, he's dead, Malik said. Dr. Andreessen considered this. No, no, I don't think so. The stool sample fell to the floor with a splat. On the other side of the country, Elsa and Anton Lembeck surveyed their newly acquired piece of property. They had sunk every penny, theirs and many donations, into the future site of a housing complex for the economically disadvantaged. Now it looked as if it might never happen. Anton slapped the side of a bulldozer in frustration. When will those permits come in? He groaned. Winter is coming, Elsa said. I really thought we'd have the structure up by now. Do you hear that? Anton said. 
Yeah, Elsa said. What the hell? Through a cloud of gravel, Dent Mitchell emerged astride a mighty Appaloosa stallion at full gallop. As he approached the Lembex, he leapt from the horse onto the bulldozer, preparing to stop the machine in its tracks. Done, he proclaimed. It wasn't actually running, was it? Elsa said. Anton shook his head. Dent Mitchell climbed down from the bulldozer and surveyed the property. It's a fine thing you're doing, he said. Elsa snorted at that. Yeah, right, stupid bureaucrats. I can help with that. Dent looked out over the property and raised one beefy fist. With a snap of his fingers, the ground shook beneath him. Hundreds of red tapeworms emerged from below and slithered away. Anton Lembeck puked his guts out. But the shelter was up before the first snow fell. All over the country, cries went up. Why won't... I can't... I want... I need... And in every case, a brave man with courage and a high threshold for disgusting creatures appeared and disappeared as quickly as he came... And those people got what they needed when they needed it. Dent Mitchell's next challenge, sheeple. Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton from the Into the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. I mean, seriously, that's it. The last one. For a while. you remember this one like the sense memory of the taste of that bad Reuben you ate seven years ago. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incomptech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Oh, and also Hidden Agenda. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the Storytime theme. Learn, leave a five-star review of this show out over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you can do such a thing. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at AtariBytes. Or also follow me personally at Carnival of Glee, which is also my handle on Spoutable, Post News, Tumblr, Mastodon, and Hive. I'm also on Instagram uh, with the Atari Bytes page over there. Call me. The voicemail is still active. 563-265-1978. I would love to hear from you. Check out the website, carnivalofgleecreations.com, for all the stuff you need to know about this show, about my other show. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown, which is still going. So if you really want to hear my voice, you can still check out new episodes of that show. And you can also pick up a book or two that I've written. And information about that is on the website as well. Please consider supporting the show if you like. And I'm going to be on hiatus, on hiatus, but if you like, um, support the show over at patreon.com where Atari Bytes has a page. Thanks to my existing patrons, Michael Tyler, Jose Gazeta, Sean Courtney, M. West, Jeremy L., Mark Super, Jim Doble, Robert Ferguson, and David Cavallari. All right, that's about it. We're done for a while. Everybody go rest. Enjoy your break. Send me a postcard. And in the meantime, next time on Atari Bytes, Christmas 2023, Mean Santa for the 2600. Until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you. Thank you.